There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on January the 18th, 2010. For newcomers to the show, I suggest you look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website. Bookmark all the sites I have up there for future use because sometimes the main site goes down. Now there's cuttingthroughthematrix.com, .nets, .ca, there's Alan Watts cuttingthroughthematrix.ca, there's cuttingthrough.jenkness.com, and there's also Alan Watts uh, cuttingthroughthematrix.ca. Alan Watts Sentinel.eu is a European site, and you can go on this site and download transcripts of a lot of talks I've given in the past, and you can choose from the various languages of Europe. And as always at the start of the show, I mention that you bring me to you. You are the listeners, you're the audience. I'm not backed by any big foundation or any big company that's selling products and so on. The ads on this show that you hear are paid directly by the advertisers straight to RBN, and that pays for the airtime. It pays for their staff and their equipment and their bills. So it's up to you as a listener to keep me going, and you can do so by going into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website, see the books and so on I have for sale, or you can donate to me. You'll find out how to do it on the websites. Remember, personal checks are good from the U.S. to Canada. You can also use international postal money orders from the U.S. to Canada. The international one uh, is uh, a sort of orangey-pinkish color. So don't come away with the green one. That's for internal U.S. only. Stress international. You can also send cash or PayPal. Remember, too, you can purchase as well through PayPal if you send a separate email to me. And for those outside the Americas, you can use MoneyGram, Western Union, PayPal, Cash. And I think that's about all you have access to in the rest of the world. So it's up to you to keep me going, as I say. Now, those who get the discs burned of the shows I do and pass to them to play on their CD players, you can get in touch with me at Alan Watt, Site 41, Box 4, Estaire, Ontario, Canada. And the postal code is P as in Peter, the number 3, E as in Elizabeth, the number 4, N as in Nora, and the number 1, p 3 e 4 N1. So that's my tin can moment. It's a rattle the tin can for the pennies. Now, I often don't really pick the show, the, the, the titles of the topics of the tonight's show uh, until the last moments because there's so much to choose from. So much of it too really, in a sense, is trivia or, or irrelevance or it'll simply get phased out by tomorrow's news. We're dished out so much news today you can't keep up with it. And that's part of the technique of data overload, as they call it. 
with data overloads, it's hard to retain what's relevant uh, and hard to even remember what it toss out of your mind. Your mind can only hold so much, and uh, it gets mixed with trivia and fiction until it's all a fantasy. Some people like the fantasy. They call them conspiracy theorists. That's the term that the intelligence services decided to give people at the bottom to use upon themselves. And a lot of them will do that. They'll say, yep, I'm a conspiracy theorist. And they sound like a nutcase right away. The key is you don't have to guess about things as to where the world is going. You don't have to guess about why things are happening. You just have to read the old books because they told you where it was going a long time ago, back after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. As I say, it's hard to, to choose topics to talk about today because we're bombarded with them. Funny to think that in the 1960s, some of the big players who are still going today, they're still alive today and working very hard at this emerging world society, although I think it's long, long past year already, uh, they talked about this phase that we go through where we become involved in a sort of world communication society. In other words, we're talking about the Internet that they were going to give us way back then, before most of us had to even try a computer or one for sale. Or, and even universities were, were limited on the types that they had. But they knew they were going to bring this in because they, were, they had got so advanced during the whole Cold War uh, with computers uh, that uh, they knew they could bring it in and make a collective society, but they also knew that people would become more alienated from each other uh, during this particular phase as well. We could all be on the net, so to speak, and yet we'd eventually be trained to talk to voiceless entities across the world somewhere and never really meet people. And they thought that eventually uh, we might not need the ability would lose the ability to actually communicate directly with other people. When you think about the effects of television, uh, that was, a lot of that was accomplished even then when whole families would sit and stare at the Google box and they wouldn't talk to each other. They were losing the ability to communicate and interact with each other even then. And then back in the 70s and 80s, as more cash through credit cards, of course, was available, different members of the family would go off into their own rooms to watch their own television set, and that further estranged them as well. The computer is doing much the same kind of thing, but as I say, uh, it was all predicted an awful long time ago, before a lot of people were born, and long before uh, they came up and told us that they were going to give us this thing called the Internet. So what I'm truly saying is that... Uh, we're living through an agenda. The world is simply an agenda. And it's so interesting, too, to read the big boys like Brzezinski uh, and his book, Between Two Ages, where he puts out the format to the public, the reader, 
in the way that I call the accidental view of history. Uh, trends just appear. The way the RAND Corporation tends to do its announcements in magazines, trends appear, and according to the trends, they predict that we will be down the road and we'll be doing this by the year so-and-so and so-and-so. That's the way that Brzezinski presented his information. And yet, Brzezinski and the Council on Foreign Relations and the Trilateral Commission had been working their whole lives, and people before they were born, too, were at it, directing the course of the world and the course of the cultures and the, the course of technology. So it's so interesting to see him give you the accidental view, but never mention the fact that there are big, big players and powerful organizations shaping the direction in which we were to go. Quite fascinating, really. Because we're supposed to believe that in the accidental view. Things just happen by accident. Governments get up and try and fix things uh, on the spur of the moment. And that's why, why it's so chaotic and that's why they make mistakes, we're told. And again, it's, there's nothing further from the truth. The further back you go, reading the books written by the big players, the more evident it becomes that everything you've lived through was predicted by them because they were making it all happen throughout your whole life and where it's supposed to go up to the year 2050 and beyond. Sometimes they'll call them futurists as well, the futurists who predict trends. Now, like any world where they've trained or any reality where they've trained the public to follow experts, as Bertrand Russell said, they would and they have. They pick the supposed top futurists, the ones who will predict the winning trends. They're the winners. They're always right, you see. Well, it's not because they've got good crystal balls or because they, they've got more of like an acute mental range or something. It's because they're in on the big plan, the big agenda. There's an old saying they used to use in different religions, and they'd say, make it so. Freemasonry still says that. Even Wicca, they say, so more to be. It's, uh, if you put up the experts there who are putting out the trends, uh, it becomes that way because they've said it's going to become that way. The big businesses listen to them and they get on board and they actually make it happen. That's how you direct society. Plus, big money is always available to make sure it goes off in that direction. Now, in the process, we go through many cons and scams to guide us into the new society of a depopulated planet where children are not only irrelevant almost, they really don't want them. They really, really don't like children, uh, and, and especially don't like children from the middle and lower classes anymore. Both classes have to go. The world that uh, has been decided this to come in eventually is for uh, an elite with a, a technotronic class. The creme de la creme of the technotronic era will work for them and things will be robotic uh, and eventually even, even computers will be running operations for them in hospitals, things like that. But they don't need the massive manpower anymore. They're looking towards the future where sustainability, as they call it, really, uh, since these guys at the top are always terrified that they'll die off themselves if there's not enough food to go around, they plan to take down the population first instead, take out your enemy instead, make it safe for themselves. In the meantime, we must be taught that we are the problem. 
we are the problem, we are the consumers, we are the problem. Well, n- nothing again is further from the truth because the same guys, and as I say, many of them are still alive today, uh, promoted the consumer age. They promoted it because they needed a strong West, they needed a strong uh, United States of America because they were supplying their tax money and the military force to go across the whole world as a global policeman. Now that the job is coming to a halt, they're, they're right now attacking the last few countries left to, to be dominated and to be standardized into the system. Uh, they'll run out of enemies, you see. They won't need the big military forces. And they also know they're going to take down the Western world at the same time as they're finishing off the Middle East and Asia. That's why the next part of the plan is to bring the military home, a good part of it, integrate it completely and manage the herd as we gradually get taken down the path to annihilation. So the elite might survive. There's an old saying that uh, used to be said, and still is said actually in some religions, it said that the few must perish for the sake of the many. In this case, it's the many must perish for the sake of the few. That's the big agenda. And I'm not kidding about it. They're very very strong about this. They're teaching children in school uh, that children, uh, their own offspring will be unnecessary. There's already volunteers coming out after massive indoctrination at school, scientific indoctrination, uh, and, and asking for sterilization. That is part of the agenda. All meat is to be eliminated, meat consumption. Uh, Alvin Toffler, another big futurist there, well funded by the big boys, uh, wrote in his book The Third Way, that, uh, or Third Wave, that um, the, the future will be a vegetarian society and it must be so, he said. Didn't say why it must be so, he just said it must be so. And now we're getting articles in the media from the top again about the need to stop eating all meat because they say it's too energy consumptive and uh, uh, they they want to give you their GMO foods instead, which, of course, are full of toxins and poisons and pesticides. That is not what the elites eat, of course. You'll never get access to their stuff. You could never afford it, even if you you were given a car to get access. But as everything happens, as I say, there's always another reason for things happening, never the, the way we're told. This odd thing with Haiti... I mean, people forget that uh, the UN has been in that country for years. Canada and the States and other countries have been sending uh, policemen in with the blue berets for the United Nations. There are CMP go in there from Canada with blue berets. And uh, they just never quite seem to give, get the, the Haitians to give up all of their rights and be dominated and allow all their resources. And there are resources around there still to be plundered to give it all away to the big boys. And so, bang, along comes the earthquake, and do they send in massive relief with all the organizations which they have up? No, what they do is they send in the military, masses of military, because they've announced that first and foremost, that area of the Caribbean is uh, necessary for the defense of the United States of America to have hegemony over it. That's why they're sending all the troops in. This article is from January the 16th, 2010, and it's by Michael Tuzadovsky, Global Research. It says here, 
Haiti has a long-standing history of U.S. military intervention and occupation going back to the beginning of the 20th century. U.S. interventionism has contributed to the destruction of Haiti's national economy and impoverishment of its population. The devastating earthquake is presented to world public opinion as the sole cause of the country's predicament. A country has been destroyed, its infrastructure demolished, its people precipitated into abysmal poverty and despair. Haiti's uh, history, its colonial past, have been erased. The U.S. military has come up to the rescue of an impoverished nation. What's its mandate? Is it a humanitarian operation or an invasion? The main actors in America's humanitarian operation are the Department of Defense, the State Department, and the U.S. Agency for International Development. It says um, the USAID has also been entrusted in channeling food aid to Haiti, which is distributed by the World Food Program. And I'm going to talk about more about the World Food Program when I come back after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Reading an article from Global Research to do with Haiti and the emergency aid that's supposedly going in there right now. But it's a massive military invasion if you look at it from another point of view. And it talks about how the USAID has been trusted to channel food aid to Haiti, which is distributed by the World Food Program. Now, the World Food Program is a very interesting program to go into, and it's tied in with the World Agricultural um, Agency of the United Nations, because in their mandate, when they set up different parts of the UN, they were, they were set up to be eventually um, parts of a global structure, and that Department for Agriculture was to be responsible down the roads, which might not be too far, to distribute all food to all regions. They've got the world broken up into regions. And that includes the Americas as well, one day. And they they said at the time, when they set it up, that they'll give a set amount of foods to every region and you must keep your population down below a certain level because they won't increase the food. So it's interesting you see trial runs, in a sense, always being used by the United Nations because that's what they are, trial runs it says here the military component of the US mission however tends to overshadow the civilian functions of rescuing a desperate and impoverished population the overall humanitarian operation is not being led by civilian governmental agencies such as FEMA or USAID but by the Pentagon the dominant decision making role has been entrusted to US Southern Command Southcom. A massive deployment of military hardware personnel is contemplated. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Admiral Mike Mullen, has confirmed that the U.S. will be sending 9 to 10,000 troops to Haiti, including 2,000 Marines. That was in the American Forces Press Service, January the 14th, 2010. The aircraft carrier USS Carl Vinson and its complement of supporting ships has already arrived in Port-au-Prince. That was reported January 15th. The 2,000-member Marine Amphibious Unit, as well as 
and soldiers from the U.S. Army's 82nd Airborne Division are trained in a wide variety of missions, including security and riot control, in addition to humanitarian tasks. Do you ever get the impression it's going to come back to home eventually? That's what, it's a training exercise, too. In contrast to rescue and relief teams dispatched by various civilian teams and organizations, the humanitarian mandate of the U.S. military is not clearly defined. Marines are definitely warriors first, and that is what the world knows the Marines for. This is a spokesman for the Marines. But we're equally as compassionate when we need to be, and this is a role that we'd like to show. The compassionate warrior, that's that's kind of contradictory, reaching out with a helping hand for those who need it. We're very excited about this, said Marines spokesman. That's PR, member public relations, when you have a spokesman. Uh, in an article called Marines Embark on Haiti Response Mission Army Forces Press Services, January 14, 2010. While Presidents Obama and Preval spoke on the phone, there were no reports of negotiations between the two governments regarding the entry and deployment of U.S. troops on Haitian soil. The decision was taken and imposed unilaterally by Washington. The total lack of a functioning government in Haiti was used to legitimize on humanitarian grounds the sending in of a powerful military force which has de facto taken over several governmental functions. And then it goes on with the different uh, ships in the area too. The amphibious assault ship USS Batan uh, and then the Marines 22nd Marine Expeditionary Unit as well, 2,000 members. The aircraft carrier USS Carl Vinson and its complement of supporting ships, which arrived on January the 15th. Uh, a hospital ship USNS Comfort, one hospital ship. Helicopters and coastal guard vessels and on and on it goes. It's like an invasion. But what makes you feel better too is like after the big tsunami, remember a few years ago, where they said that every country would match, every government would match every charity dollar with a dollar of tax money for the relief funds. And billions were collected, billions of dollars were collected. And then after all it was all in, they announced that they'd put Bill Clinton and George Bush Sr. in charge of the fund. And that's the last you heard of it. And I said at the time too, that will be the last you hear of it. Because there's poor guys over, over there where the tsunami hit. Um, we'll be gathering up bits of tin and wood and knocking back some shacks together again without any aid at all arriving. And that pretty well is what happened. Well, they put the same two boys in charge of the fund for Haiti. So we feel much better now as two men you can truly trust, right? But this is the farce that we're living through, as I say. Uh, It's uh, geopolitics. And remember what these guys say at the top too. Even though they can certainly cause earthquakes, and um, that was even questioned at one point with a ship, a submarine in the area of the last tsunami, uh, because uh, they have submarines which can actually lay bombs, drill them into the fault lines and explode them, going back as far as the 1960s. But regardless of that, the CFR and the Trilateral Commission and all of its members always say they can take some catastrophe and turn it to their advantage for the geopolitical agenda. And that will be done with Haiti, regardless of what caused it, natural or otherwise. It's quite funny to watch the farce between Google. Now, Google 
is one of the top players in collecting all data across the planet for those who rule us, you see. And they keep it forever, all data, all kinds of data. I've read articles from some of their bosses, in fact, admitting to all of this. But they're going through this spat with China over censorship because up until now... You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I am Alan Watts, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Talking about Google and its spat with China over censorship because it's kind of like the, the pot calling the kettle black. Uh, here's Google gathering data for security services across the planet on every single person on the planet. And uh, they've been cooperating with China up until recently, supposedly, and censoring their own uh, dissidents. A dissident in China is someone who questions anything in the regime. Something that's going to happen here, too. Actually, it already is happening here. But this is from v3.co.uk. And it says here, Google to end censorship of Chinese searches. Company threatens to pull out of China after human rights hacking. It says here, 13th of January 2010. Google has issued a shock announcement that it is to end censoring the results of its Google.cn search engine after a series of hacking attacks that it says was aimed at human rights activists. Now, did anybody ask us about, did we mind getting our uh, material kept and snaggled by uh, Google for all the top guys? No, they didn't ask us for the top boys to, to listen to. But here they are making a pretense of standing up for the human rights activists in China. <laughs> the company said in a posting on its corporate blog that Google and at least 20 other companies had been the target of a hacking attack in December. It says, claims to have seen evidence that the attacks were aimed at accessing the Gmail accounts of Chinese human rights activists. These attacks and surveillance uh, they have uncovered, combined with the attempts of the past year to further limit free speech on the web, have led us to conclude that we should review the feasibility of our business operations in China, wrote David Drummond, chief legal officer at Google. We've decided that we're no longer willing to continue censoring our results on Google.cn, so over the next few weeks we'll be discussing with the Chinese government the basis on which we could operate an unfiltered search engine within the law, if at all. We recognize that this may well mean having to shut down Google.cn and potentially our offices in China. Well, we'll see what happens here. But as I say, what a farce. I mean, here they are making a big deal about China when Google admits it's, it's been collecting data since it set itself up. On, it's collecting data on all of us with everything for the security intelligence agencies. Such farce, isn't it? Now, the BBC has the Met Office. That's their weather office, a big, big organization for the BBC. And it's totally on board, of course, with the New World Order because the BBC works for the British government. It's paid for by the tax money, and it has political agendas, always has had. It was set up, in fact, to be the propaganda arm of the British uh, parliamentary system. And nothing has changed. Uh, this article here is from the BBC on the 16th of January to do with its weather department. It's all for the global warming. It's a rah-rah team for global warming. 
and all that stuff. And it's by Roger Harabin. It says, The UK Met Office is debating what to do with its long-term and seasonal forecasting after criticism for failing to predict extreme weather. These are the guys who are the experts, right? They're all on board with global warming. And, and have failed to predict the extreme weather that Britain and Europe is going through right now. Some experts say the Met Office should stop longer-term uh, statistical projections forecasting because it damages the organization's reputation. Why? Because they're always wrong. They're all, always wrong. Others maintain that the communication of the forecast must be improved. The Met Office has been criticized for failing to predict in its seasonal forecasts the UK would suffer this, this cold winter for the last three wet summers, or the last wee, uh, three wet summers. They didn't predict any of them. After being wrapped for its now notorious barbecue summer that never happened, right? <laughs> they, never, they got pouring rain. Uh, press release. The winter forecast was expressed in probabilistic terms, and what they told the public was there'd be a 66% likelihood that the winter would be warmer than average. Here they are under the worst freezing snow in 20 years, and has now admitted to BBC News that its annual global mean forecast predicted temperatures higher than actual temperatures for nine years out of the last ten. <laughs> Nine, nine out of ten is wrong. <laughs> it says the warming bias is very small. This is their excuse. Just 0.5 degrees centigrade. And the Met Office points out that the variance between the forecast and the actual temperatures is within its own stated margins of error. So they can police themselves and pop it within its own margins of error. As I say, we live through incredible farces, don't we? And that's what I'm saying But what do you pick for the meat? What do you pick to to read on, the, on the, a show like this when there's so much farce out there except more farce. Here's another farce here. Uh, because see, we're, we're getting steamrolled or, or railroaded, I should really say. It's railroaded and stampeded uh, into crisis after crisis after crisis, all planned that way, mind you, because we, we adapt quickly in crisis to any crazy change, any new way of living. We adapt so fast, and they know this too from other social engineering experts at the top. And people have already forgotten that we've had a monetary crash, supposedly, and that uh, they bailed out the banks with billions and billions, maybe trillions of dollars across the world. And they said that it would make banking more honest and all the rest of that nonsense at the time when they were dishing out the tax money to the banks. Well, this is the Sunday Times, January 17th, 2010. Wall Street giants pay staff $100 billion. This is for bonuses. Four of Wall Street's biggest banks will this week reveal plans to pay their staff a total of clo to close to $100 billion. That's £62 billion. Reigniting the row over bankers' bonuses. Well, no kidding. And he's the big boys too, the guys that started it all. Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, Citigroup and Bank of America, Merrill Lynch are all expected to announce bumper pay rewards for staff alongside full year results. Wall Street's big payouts come as the remuneration committee at Royal Bank of Scotland prepares to meet this week to determine the size of its bonus pot. The Royal Bank of Scotland, which is... 84% owned by the, the British government, by the way, has indicated it wants to pay its investment bankers about £1.5 billion in bonuses, <laughs> even though it will make a loss this year at group level. 
The figure could creep higher if attempts to shelter its bankers from the impact of Alistair Darling's 50% tax on bonuses. Lord Miners, the city minister, has called a meeting of global finance ministers and regulators in Downing Street this month to discuss other levies that could be introduced to prevent future crisis. Here they are dishing out 100 billion bucks or something to, to each other. And meanwhile, the government's meeting to, to f- get a bigger pot to save off, to stave off really, or cushion the next future crisis. Um, isn't there something stinking here? Something awfully rotten? Hmm? You know something? There's no laws to stop these guys doing what they do. It's the same when Rothschilds conned uh, the British people into the Bank of England takeover by telling them that uh, Napoleon had won. Uh, nothing has been put in place to stop these, these sharks from ever doing this again. Nothing. No, no one goes to jail for it. No. You see, it's legal robbery uh, that, because they run the legal system too. This is called legal robbery. It's their due. And we can't see hoots about it. Says George Osborne, the, the shadow chancellor, said this weekend he would support calls for a new global charge on banks. America's bonus payouts come days after President Barack Obama revealed plans for a windfall tax on banks in an effort to curb the obscene bonus culture. Anger over the huge payments will be heightened by the fact that many of the banks are not profitable. If they're not, I hear that they're not profitable, but they're dishing out billions of bucks in bonuses to the top sharks. Of the four due to report figures this week, only Goldman is expected to post a profit at the net income level, according to a consensus of analyst forecasts. The losses blow a hole in the argument that the bonuses represent pay for performance. Well, that's for sure. (laughs) However, all the banks are expected to show large gains in their investment banking divisions, which have been boosted by financial stimulus operations orchestrated by governments around the world and the taxpayers paid for all. Isn't that just hunky-dory? Makes you feel better, doesn't it? Now, as we're being degraded and we're being dehumanized since 2001 with all the security checks and the bend-overs and all the rest of it at airports, and now you get x-rayed, now they can look through your clothing and, and have a good laugh at you, uh, and it's admitted now too they can save that, it is saved and they can transmit it wirelessly elsewhere here's the next step of it, and it's been tested out in Holland I've got two articles actually on it but this one here is from Liberty Forest, the other one I have is from a Dutch newspaper but it's in Dutch but it confirms it and it says here um, Rotterdam Police are trying to develop a portable scanner which will allow them to see through people's clothing and look for concealed weapons. This is the excuse for concealed weapons. The NRC reports on Friday. The force has been given a 500,000, I think it's pounds, it's not euros, it's pounds, government grant to develop the mobile weapons detector, which would use similar technology to the scanners being introduced at Amsterdam's Schiphol Airport, the paper says. The aim is to develop a prototype ready for production within three years. The paper bases its claim on a confidential document which suggests the scanner could first be used as an alternative to random body searches in high-risk areas. 
the mobile detector would enable the search to be carried out more quickly and would only be used on people suspected of carrying concealed weapons. Well, you know that's a lie. It should be used on, the, on streets of people as you pass by. That's, that's obvious. It says the document also mentions the possibility of carrying out long-distance scans and mass scans on crowds at such events as football matches, at soccer matches over there. In addition, the scan could be combined, uh, the scan, as I call it scam, could be combined with a sniffer detector which would analyze an ear sample, an ear sample from a suspect for traces of drugs or explosives, the paper says. Gian Piero Guerini, professor at Eindhoven University of Technology, told the paper the technology to develop such scans is now mature. The biggest challenge is making it portable and ensuring it can carry out a scan in seconds, the NRC quotes him as saying. And then this article goes on to say, what does it take for people to stand up and resist this? Well, you know what it takes, folks? It would take them cutting off your electricity so you can't watch TV or play games on the Internet. Um, and, and starvation, pretty well. That's what it would take. Uh, before you do anything and unfortunately the big boys know that too they know that too they've done study after study on uprisings and revolutions they understand that you, you go to the wall before people retaliate and say enough is enough now, this article here is kind of related to what I mentioned earlier about uh, the wonderful vegetarian society that, that must be brought in, apparently, by all the big players. And all they'll have access to eventually for us is the GMO foods. Now, I don't care what they've said about the GMO. You don't mix hundreds of foreign genes together into a single uh, organism to produce a better carrot. Uh, you don't put animal and insects and maybe even human genes in there as well to get a better potato. There's something else here. And they have admitted themselves that some of the top bioweapons specialists worked on all these projects to do with food. Bioweapons. Now, what do you think bioweapons happens to be? And remember, the oldest and best drugs still around today uh, are, come from plants. Plants can produce drugs. What do they want to have in the, in the very near future? They want a very passive society. Well, they go through these massive changes. Again, read the Technotronic era, read Bertrand Russell's various books on how they're going to drug and, and dumb down and keep happy the population rather than have mass rioting going on. It's true, the food, they discussed the food. They also discussed injections. I've given the quotes many times on this particular show, in fact, from the big players themselves. This article here, as Yahoo News, it's also the Huffington Post, and it's from January the 12th. It says, in a study released by the International Journal of Biological Sciences, analyzing the effects of genetically modified foods on mammalian health, researchers found that agricultural giant Monsanto's GM corn is linked to organ damage in rats. According to the study, which was summarized by Adam Shake of Twilight Earth, three varieties of Monsanto's GM corn that's Monsanto 863, insecticide-producing MON810, and Roundup-ready herbicide-absorbing NK603, 
were approved for consumption by U.S. and European and several other national food safety authorities. And we've gone through the, the, the different agencies before and the people who are on the boards of them. They've all worked for Monsanto before. That's, so Monsanto puts them into these agencies so that they can pass them. Monsanto gathered its own crude statistical data after conducting a 90-day study, even though chronic problems can rarely be found after 90 days, and concluded that the corn was safe for consumption. The stamp of approval may have been premature, however. In the conclusion of the UBS study, researchers quote, effects were most concentrated in kidney and liver function, the two major diet detoxification organs, but in detail differed with each GM type. In addition, some effects on heart, adrenal, spleen, and blood cells were also frequently noted. As there normally exists sex differences in liver and kidney metabolism, the highly statistical significant disturbance in the function of these organs seen between male and female rats cannot be dismissed as biologically insignificant, as has been proposed by others. We therefore conclude that our data strongly suggest that these GM maize varieties induce a state of is hepatorenal toxicity, that's your, that's your liver and kidneys. These substances have never before been an integral part of the human or animal diet, and therefore there are health consequences for those who consume them, especially over long-term periods, are currently unknown. Now, this doesn't surprise me, because after all, we're not uh, living on pesticide-soaked uh, foods before. This, this, stuff's, this stuff is soaked, doused in the heaviest of pesticides. And of course you have to buy their particular uh, Monsanto's own pesticide to go with the seeds when you buy the seeds. Kills everything else, else off except their particular plants. Well, guess what? The plants soak the stuff up as well in its cellular structure and you're eating it. But that ties right in with the depopulation agenda as well, of course, and um, there's all kinds of cancers broken out in the last 20-odd years and uh, 30 years and getting higher all the time. And it's not, a, it's not a, a crisis, so it's planned that way. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. You know, so much is presented to the public in a farcical manner, and I mean farcical. When you wake up, you start to realize that most of the news is literally farcical the way it's presented to us. And we're never really told the big reasons why anything ever really happens. We're given a truth that might be, or a reason, but never the real reason, never the real truth. And I've quoted uh, uh, some of the top players of, of days gone by, like Mandel House, who advised President, actually he ran President Wilson's administration behind the scenes. And he, he said, for everything that happens in politics, there's always a good reason, and then there's a real reason. So the, the good reason, the semi-plausible reason, is always given to the public. And even if there's only 5% plausibility in the story, we'd, we'll, we'll take that rather than 
go the whole way and say, my God, uh, what's the real story? We don't want the shock of the truth. Strange, isn't it, how we work as human beings? We really don't want the shock of the truth. We don't want to think that the world is a big, uh, cruel place out there, even when we've watched the, the machinations of teams of U.S., British, and Canadian and other sources going out to torture people across the world on a war on terror, we're told, and snatching folk at airports in their own countries and, and pulling them off to some other country where they can be tortured. This is the real world. And we know that um, they're trying to centralize all military actions with police across the Western Hemisphere, actually all the way to Australia, really. It's worldwide, this whole regime, this world society that's coming in. This article, too, is from Global Research, January the 17th, and it says... In the wake of Flight 253 provocation, overhyped terrorism panics, and last year's big pharma and media-engineered hysteria over the H1N1 non-flu pandemic, President Barack Obama signed Executive Order 13528 on January the 11th. Now, I read that on the air last week, but this is another take on it. Amongst other things, the executive order established a council of governors, an advisory panel chosen by the president that will rubber stamp long sought-after Pentagon contingency plans to seize control of state National Guard forces in the event of a national emergency. Now, I talked last week, too, about the centralization of government, a main plank of the Communist Manifesto. Think about that. According to the White House press release, the 10-member bipartisan uh, bipartisan council was created to uh, strengthen further the partnership, partnership, here we go, between the federal government and state governments. Why didn't they use harmonization? That's a better word. To protect our nation against all types of hazards. It says the council will be reviewing such matters as involving the National Guard of the various states, homeland defense, civil support, synchronization, and integration of state and federal military activities in the United States and other matters of mutual interest pertaining to National Guard, homeland defense, and civil support activities. Clearly designed to weaken the Posse Comitatus Act of 1878, which bars the use of the military for civilian law enforcement, EO 13528 is the latest in a series of maneuvers by previous administrations to wrest control of armed forces into central, under central command. You can see where it's all going and you can see what's coming by all the things that are happening right now. It's not a pretty sight, but you've got to stand up and fight it. From Hamish, myself, in Ontario, Canada, it's good night. And your God or your gods go with you.